if you're not in recovery, everybody's, everybody's recovering from something here. You know, that's just the way it goes. So, um, let's say the fundamental state is that our life is being interpreted from a place called self-centeredness. It's sort of like a program of, let's say, like a space helmet that people were wearing without knowing it. And it's filled up with a certain set of thoughts and, it, and a, a perceptual interpretive system. So you see things as it pertains to you. And your, your vision is really very, very limited, very, very small. And the possibilities in self-centeredness are very, very small. We are, we've been through every one of the possibilities probably over and over again, like the fairy princess or the knight, you know, on the white horse in shining armor or... Instead of having a sense of okayness now, we believe that we will be okay later. So there's always time involved, and it's always you being involved in it. So you, it's going to be up to you to have or not have peace. It's going to be up to you to find God. It's going to be up to you to arrive at a state of serenity. And therefore, it will also be up to you to lose that state of serenity, to not find God and so on and so forth. So really, in the activity of selfing, which I that's what I call it, you are God. The mental process is God. And it plays God with the idea of God because you're getting close to f- or far away from God is really based on what your head tells you. <laughs> Literally. So, in recovery, they say that the root of the problem... All right, so in recovery... They've described a lot of the symptoms of what people suffer from when they have alcoholism. Yeah. Very good. They cataloged it, and we read the beginning of the book, and there's usually, if you are an alcoholic and you read it with an open mind, there's uh, identification with what they're describing because you've lived under the same view, so to speak, called alcoholism. And alcoholism is just an extreme like subdivision of self-centeredness. Just extremely, like on steroids. Yeah. So your your any life run on self will will not be successful. Extremely in our case. So so we basically have experienced and suffered under the symptoms for quite a long time. But I don't believe it's not knowing the symptoms. I think we know them very very deeply. It's really identifying the true problem. Now I believe there's that what they gave us in the beginning of recovery was that the root of the problem is obsession with self. I don't believe that. I believe it's identification as a self, which is a totally different thing. It's sort of like the difference between a cold and a flu. They have similar symptoms, but not all the symptoms are the same. And if you think you have a cold and buy a lot of cold medicine and you take it religiously and spend a lot of money on it, you're probably not going to get a radical, long-lasting relief if you have the flu. So I'm believing that the diagnosis was close, but it wasn't far enough. And I come to this point because I've entertained the idea of the the root of the problem's identification as self, and the proof has been in the pudding for me. It translated to an ease and comfort I wasn't having before when I was looking at it as obsession with self. It's that simple. So, And over the years of traveling under this new uh, entertaining, uh, the proof has been undeniable because it doesn't change the destiny of my life. 
you know, I may have cancer, I may get fired, I may meet someone and have a kid, I don't know. But it has allowed me to travel lighter through all the terrain of my life, yeah, on a consistent level. So to me, you, you can judge a tree by its fruit. Yeah? A good tree can't bring forth bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bring forth good fruit. And to me, I equate good fruit as traveling lighter. So you just travel lighter. In other words, your footprint isn't that heavy. You just travel lighter. You wear all your little ideas and beliefs like a loose garment. You're not really that concerned by what you used to be incredibly concerned about. <laughs> really. You lose interest in yourself and you gain interest in whatever. Maybe others, maybe not. You will in others, but you'll make gain interest in a lot of things. Yeah? And maybe especially a no thing, if you want to call spirit a no thing. You may gain an incredible amount of interest in that. But right now... When we're identified as a self, our interest and attention is enslaved to that. Even when we pursue getting out of self, in the activity of trying to get out of self, your interest and attention is reaffirming that you are a self. A lot of people don't see it, but one of the biggest ways you're in self here is trying to get out of it. Literally. Because if you're trying to get out of self as a self, that's really being what we call in self. And if you're identified as self, you won't know it. You won't know it. That will be the last thing you'll ever entertain. And if you are identified as a self, and a self is just a feeling, it's a thought wrapped in a feeling. Yeah? As you're living, you feel it's you that's living. Yeah? As, you're th as there's thoughts being seen, you believe you're the thinker of them. When there's a feeling, it's your feeling. When you hear a thought in your head and it has the sound of what you call your voice, which is just the voice of this body, it's not your voice. But we're identified as this body, so we call the voice that this vocal cord makes mine, and that mine creates a trance. You are much more apt to have immunity to a thought that didn't sound like yours than a thought that sounds like you. It's sort of like the sirens. You ever hear read a... Uh, Homer and the Odyssey, where they go to that island and the sirens sing a song that put them out into a trance and then they, you know, crash against the rocks and run around crazy and give themselves over to the sirens. Yeah? If they would have heard it and it would have sounded like Uncle Joe, they would have just kept sailing. But, yeah, it sounds like them and they're very, very attracted to it, so they go for it. Yeah? So if, I, if you come over and share what I would call selfing with me, I'm pretty wise about it. I'm like Solomon. I can go, no, that would not be a good idea, my friend, and this and that. But the same thoughts held as mine, I have very, very little wisdom about. And I have almost no immunity to. Yeah? The lack of immunity, I can be having an incredible day and five thoughts can appear in my head and it will change the whole day. That is a true lack of immunity to thought. Yeah? In other words, everything... I'm feeling, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm tasting. All this stuff's going on. It's seemingly a great day. And all it may take is four or five thoughts. When are they going to find out I'm a fraud? And then the whole day takes, goes south. Yeah? That is an incredible lack of immunity to thought. That thoughts, just five thoughts, could change your whole day. Some people, one thought changes your whole day. When you wake up. <laughs> you think it's you waking up, it changes your whole day. Doesn't it? Why? Because if, if there's a thought when 
when there's waking up and it's you are waking up, you represent a lot, a lot of old files. Yeah? A lot of old ideas, a lot of beliefs. And as soon as it's you that wakes up, those files get connected and they download into the interpretation of that day. That's what the head does. What does the head do? It gives meaning to things. That's all it does. What is that but an interpretation? So when it sees something or feels something or tastes something and touches something and smells something, it's a totally different experience than when it thinks it's the one who saw, felt, heard, tasted, and smelled. Because the smelling and the tasting will be injected with all these ideas about you smelling and tasting and touching and feeling and seeing. It's an incredible interpretation. You really believe life's happening to us from outside, but we're giving it all the meaning it has as we're living. And what happens is when that meaning gets presented, it's sort of like projected out, slapped on the canvas, and then you react as if it's a true picture of life. But it's totally distorted. You can't even get maybe one person to even agree with you, your view of that day. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tried trying to tell someone how bad it's going to be and what's not happening for you? You don't know what you're thinking about next week, and you know you're going to be fired next week, but you try to tell someone the week before how scared you are about being fired next week. They're really not that interested, are they? Because it's not happening to them. It's only happening to you in a little mental realm. They're in like last Friday. They have their own little porno theater going on. They're getting done by Dallas last Friday, and you're expecting to be done by Dallas in a week. (laughs) So our ability to communicate is very, very off, because I'm trying to tell you about this giant mountain range, which you see as a molehill, and I see your mountain range as a molehill. Because they're not real. There's no mountain range. You're telling me you're afraid about something that hasn't happened. (laughs) So here, so self, yes? This idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's the root of the dilemma to me. It's a thought that's wrapped with a feeling. That's the way the mental process really convinces you. So let's say... Like if you were a kid and you were in an abusive situation, you probably had a lot of experiences of wonder and awe, yeah? It was sort of pretty cool. Like my golden years were between maybe two and four, yeah? Everything was really pretty cool at that time. And I was feeling, when I would be playing, I wasn't worrying about will I be playing next week? Because I had no idea of next week. I hadn't gotten introduced into time yet. And my mother... My, my love for my mother wasn't judged on her being ugly or beautiful because I had no concept of ugly and beautiful. She was my mother. And it was just a natural love. Yeah. And basically, because of that state of not knowing any better, in a way, there was like a freedom. I was really present because I hadn't entertained I could not be present. Yeah. But as soon as selfing started to occur, which is an activity by a mental process, a mental process is verbing a sense of being a noun. Yeah? So the mind is verbing that it's a noun. And its flagpole, see, it's the, uh, it's the little flag, but its flagpole is the body. So it becomes identified as a noun because it feels like it's located here 
because of this flagpole called the body. But obviously, if you've ever been introduced to a dead body that you used to know when it was alive, I had that happen once when I was younger, and my mother took me to the funeral when I was nine years old, and it was a, a man called Uncle Fred who was very nice to me. He used to give me money at the relatives' parties, and you know, I, he bought me off basically. I was very fond of, him. and I used to really like Uncle Fred. And then my mother brought me in front of the casket, and I looked in, and there was Uncle Fred's body. But I had a very strong hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. It was so clear to my little nine-year-old head. That ain't Uncle Fred because what I was calling Uncle Fred, or I was assuming was the body, had left, let's say, the body. What was really Uncle Fred was that animating principle, if you want to call it, spirit or consciousness. I was assuming it was the body because I had been assuming I was the body. But when I saw that body, it was not Uncle Fred. And if I would have taken that an eye out, though my mother would have been upset if I did that, but if I would have taken an eye out of that body and put it in a live body, that eye would see, but it was not seeing now. Yeah? So how could you say the eye is actually seeing? It isn't. Something's seen through the eye, I would say, and I would say that's consciousness or spirit or the animating principle. That's what's seeing out of this telescope, out of this camera. The camera is not seeing. The camera facilitates seeing. So consciousness is the living essence of that's moving through this so that it can express itself through a body. But it's not the body. But if you're identified as a self, you are identified as a body. It's just that simple. That's the connection. It locks you in. And now the mental process interprets life for you from the point of view of being a body a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And so every day, there's hearing, feeling, seeing, tasting, touching. There is conscious contact. But my mental process reacts to that by saying, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. And that I is rooted in believing it's this. Yes? With a lot of old ideas and beliefs in a mental realm. So every time... There's a belief, I, that I sort of calls forth or conjures up a lot of old ideas and beliefs, a lot of conditioning, and that conditioning gets injected into everything you meet that day. Everything you meet. You believe it's bringing it, you, you, see, I used to think the meanings were inherently real outside, and they were being imposed upon me, but that wasn't the case. I was projecting the meaning on me onto them, and then they were bringing back, was being brought back to me. The power wasn't in changing the world, it was in changing me. Yeah? What I needed to find out, alright, so if this apparatus is giving everything all the meaning it has, is there an opportunity to change, you know, meaning giving central? Yeah? Can I actually live life from a different interpretation? I've had enough of self-centeredness, all of us have. You've had every possibility it's offered. You're just redoing them. Yeah? And you've been over every inch that self-centeredness has to offer. You've walked through every little crevice. You looked everywhere you could look for that happiness and joy and this and freedom, but it's still put on a delayed, yeah? Oh, yes, the factory will get the new shipment sooner or later. Yeah? Just call back in a couple weeks. Follow another five-year Stalinist plan. Go to school. Do this, do that. Then you'll get it and you'll be happy, joyous, and free. But when does it deliver the goods? It's all advertising. Haven't you noticed? 
It's yapping and yapping and yapping constantly, and you live on hope. You can tell a failed system if you have a lot of excuses, rationalizations, and blames, because that's the way it covers up its inadequacy. Like in recovery, it says, why do you have so much fear? And it doesn't let us answer, thank God. It says, is it because self-reliance has failed us? He's just told you the whole enchilada. Self-reliance is exactly why your life is looking exactly like it seems to be looking to you right now. Self-reliance is unreliable. No matter how you twist it, no matter how you approach it, no matter how much you socialize it, no matter how much you therapize it, no matter how much you institutionalize it, it's just an, a failed system. Any life run on self-will will hardly be a success. Not because of the self, but because of the system that it represents. There is no self. That's the freedom. If there isn't that entertainment, you can never entertain being free of it. All you can entertain is getting therapy for it. Or maybe socializing it, or going into an institution, or, you know, hopefully if I just don't put my foot in my mouth, I'll have a relationship that lasts for a month, you know, something. These, or I won't be arrested, or whatever. Yeah, but you can't entertain being free of it because you're identified as it. Once you entertain, I'm not that, your mind can immediately start entertaining. I can actually be free of that. It first has to entertain, I'm not that. Because right now, when it's entertaining freedom, it's entertaining freedom as that, which is not freedom. In recovery, it says you'll, have a, you'll know a new freedom and a new happiness, not the self-centered idea of freedom and happiness. But if you're identified, every time you're going to entertain freedom, you're going to entertain freedom as a self. That's not freedom. Freedom is freedom from self, not for self. So if you entertain, I'm not that, then the mind that's become identified, not your little mental process, the mind, like in Buddhism they said, the mind is the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. So that mind that had lots of entertaining of wonder and awe when you were a kid, if you weren't in an abusive situation, what had a sense of the immediacy of life, had no need to have life narrated, it was just living, right? When you were playing, when you were a little kid, you were not going, oh, Paul's playing. There was no voiceover. There was no Howard Cosell narrating the football game. There was just playing in the game. Yeah. Then we moved up there into the booth and we entered the mental realm. And the only way you can enter the mental realm and stay there is as a self. So, if I'm identified as self, every time I entertain freedom, it's going to be by its rules, the self's rules. Freedom won't be an immediate condition. It will be something that will be based on what you do or don't do. Peace will be something that you have to provoke, and you can also lose. And if you look at the program, it says... The how and why of the whole program of the third step, and I think how and why is a pretty comprehensive view. If you say, all right, give me the how and why of this, that's a pretty large view of the program. The how and why of it is we have to quit playing God. It doesn't work. What is that but playing God? Let's say you want to know God. 
who tells you, who informs you if you're getting close or not to God? Your head. Who tells you when you do something that's bad that you're exiled from God? God sure doesn't. Your head does. Who puts you in a limbo because you may have thought you did something eight years ago? Now you've been in purgatory. Who made up purgatory, limbo, and hell? Not God. The mind. The mind identified as self. Yeah? So you play judge, jury, prosecutor, defense, convict, jailer, warden, everything. you got the whole... It's a self-sustained, self-made prison. And every escape is, is doomed to fail. <laughs> Has it worked yet? I'm going to go on that week-long retreat. $10,000. This will work. No. Self can't get out of self. How could a product of a mental process, you're thinking it into existence. How could a product, you're not, the mind's thinking it into existence. How could a product of a mental process leave the mental process and actually exist? All it exists in is in the mental realm. Trees are not recognizing you as a self, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're the only one who's taken it upon yourself to be that special and unique. <laughs> here sharing this because it's damn nice to travel lighter. Seriously. And you'll really know the problem by the solution. You will. No matter how much you study the problem, you won't know it if you're studying it as the problem. You won't. The most important bit of knowledge will be kept from you. And everything will be self-knowledge and will avail us nothing. No matter how much knowledge we learn about the self, if it's the self that thinks it's learning it, that, that is what I call self-knowledge, and that self-knowledge will avail you nothing. It won't, you will not have a freedom from that, because you'll still be trying to get freedom for it without even knowing it. Yeah. Freedom from it is totally different, because now you see the problem, not see from it. You see it. You see its manufacture, you see its reinforcement, you see... It's drive. You see its little agenda, which is to be right and special. And it's drive. The first thing it does, as soon as it arises up, there's the selfing. As soon as it makes up a sense of being a noun, you claim everything. Because these are my thoughts. This is my body. This is my life. This is this. this. You ever see the difference when you're going out with a woman, a girl, let's say? Everything's nice until that one day she turns into my girlfriend. Then shit, you're up on stalking charges three months away. Yeah? The whole mind shifts as soon as the my occurs. As soon as there's an identification, everything changes. A thought is a thought until it becomes my thought, then it's the beginning of a novel. Yeah? Check it out. As soon as a thought is held as yours, you in, your mind injects it with so much weight. Yeah. Something that came and nature is to go, you capture it. It's like, it's like when a fly gets stuck in a room. It wants to get out, but it can't find anywhere. It's just buzzing. That's like the agitated mind in self. 
It's like thousands of flies buzzing around this central bit of shit called you. <laughs> and what are you going to do? You're going to want relief so bad you'll do almost anything. And it will always bring you, either quickly or slowly, to the point of fuck it. And when, you, when it brings you to the point of fuck it, and you comply with that take, then it usually rushes in with a suggestion. Let's get loaded. Oh, fuck it. Let's quit this job. Oh, fuck it. I'm going to sleep with my best friend's wife. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> then it's like, here, you you got to look at alcoholism. Does it have an arm to reach for a beer? Does it have a pore to stick a needle in? It has a desire for fuel, and its fuel of food is alcohol and drugs, yeah? And there's also other ones, drama and all this stuff. But it feeds fuel, drugs and alcohol are its fuel, and it can't go shopping for itself. It's in the mental process. You cannot take an x-ray and see alcoholism in your body. You can't. It's not located in your elbow area or anything like that. You can take the best MRI scan, it's still not going to pick it up. It's in the mental process. Yeah? It's a thinking, a perceptual disease. And if you're being thought into what you call you, then that process that's thinking you up is infected with alcoholism. So the self that you're identified as is truly alcoholic. Yeah? The thinking is in place, everything is set up, and your destiny is set, basically, as an action the shit's going to hit the fan. You're going to run into so many times you don't know what to do and you're going to do something. <laughs> Instead of pausing, you'll just go barge right ahead. And, you know, you've been in that hallway, right? The hallway of shit and fans. Yeah. Like running the gauntlet. Yeah. You don't know when the shit hits the fan until it hits you in the face. That's a little slow. You want to sort of know what turns the fan on and what aligns the shit with it, yeah? And then... See what causes you to go, what's happening? <laughs> really, most of us here, what the peace really is, is, is absence of things. It's not getting more things to occur. It's having some of the stuff that's daily occurring stop. That's why it's underappreciated. The mind doesn't really, it doesn't recognize absence of things. So you don't know how crazy it was until you have an emotional hangover or you act out. And then you have a little visit back to that mind stream that you used to live every day. And it's like hell. We visited. So many of us, many of us are so freaking fortunate tonight because that big door called alcoholism is asleep. We got the run of our house. We can invite people over. We can do a lot of things. But if something wakes that dog up, you're going to be cleaning up its shit. You're going to have to walk it a lot. It's going to be barking at your friends and biting everything else. And it's going to turn on you. Yeah. So for me, the real joy is what's absent in my life now. Yeah? <laughs> Why do we have so much interest in ourselves? Because we think it's us. That's what I found. from, And I only found all this out from after it happens. Yeah? I just saw what had happened, and then it made sense. And I saw, I've lost a lot of interest and attention to me. Why is that? 
because I entertain it's not me. Once you entertain it's not you, you'll lose interest in it. I'm serious. Just like if I'm here and there's a woman I'm interested in in the other room. Yeah? And I'm supposed to be doing some talk or whatever here, but my interest and attention is listening to what she's saying because I'm hoping she's going to be saying something about me and then I'll know if I should make a move or not. You know, I don't want to get rejected, so I want to have some some advantage here. So I'm listening very intently, and people are going, Paul, Paul, you're supposed to be doing this thing. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't seem to help myself. I can read a book. Why not? Why you shouldn't be listening to a conversation in another room? It's still not going to help. Yeah? But as soon as I hear a talk, and she says, she starts talking about Matt, and my name is Paul, yeah? I lose interest immediately. Immediately. I don't have to take a workshop on how to lose interest. Immediately, my interest leaves that and comes where? Yeah. That's the joy of living. Where is it going to go? It's going to leave there because you can't lose interest. You can only lose interest in things. You don't lose interest or attention. There's plenty of it. So there it goes. It gets unbound to that. Where does it go? Find out. Just like right now, the interest and attention in our lives, in a sense, is driving us crazy because it's up the ass of self. Yeah? Just, just investigating a very small cave, <laughs> just over and over and over again. <laughs> when that was freed from that, you can't, what would happen? Your interest and attention may go into what you call life. And what is called obsession with self will be like an abidance in truth. It's the same energy. It's just where it's put. It's difficult, though, to pry away the interest and attention from self when you identify that. Because it's the interest and attention that gives it a seeming life. Yeah? It's like sucking all your attention all day, isn't it? It sucks it, sucks it. It's like something that wants to drink a lot of water. It's like a ravenous plant, and it demands your attention. Even when you want to go to bed at night, it won't let you go to sleep. It just keeps representing the day, you know, of how things could have been better if I would have done this or I wouldn't have done this. You just play God. It plays God all day and night. Yeah. You wake up in the morning and it tells you how the day's going to be. How the hell does it know? How many times has that crazy weatherman been right in your life? How many times has this forecast actually come to pass? Oh, it's going to be terrible. It's another earth-shattering event. No earth got shattered. You've had maybe five earth-shattering events. It's only Monday in this week, and nothing shattered the earth. It's all mental. It's a mental realm. Yeah? We can't have enough anxiety or fear now, so we go into the future. It's like a giant opium crop, in a way. Marijuana field. And then we cultivate the best old buds. And we worry... And then we smoke them here. Oh, yes, it's not going to work out. I won't get that job when I graduate from college. You have, you're in high school. I mean, it's insanity. You're, fine. you're going out of your way to have anxiety. Literally. Fear is a valid emotion. If, fear, if something threatens me now, fear may arise. That's what's meant to happen. But we're not experiencing fear. We're experiencing mental anxiety. It just no, it produces the physiological effects of fear, but there's nothing to be afraid of. It's all made up. 
in what's not happening. And how can you go to what's not happening? Is there an airport that you can land in what's not happening? Can you walk there? Can you swim there? Can you, can you make a reservation there? It's not happening. The only way you go is through thought. And it's not the thought. It's the attention and interest in the thought that make what's not happening seem to be happening. It's not the thought at all. Because I'll tell you, if the bondage to self is broken, you'll see the thoughts as very, very archaic and old. Just the same old, same old loop, constantly. Why does it capture you so much? It's what's entertaining it. Not the advertising, but what's entertaining it. That mind that we represent here, I mean the mind, is unbelievable. For it to entertain its a, a form is like putting a giant foot in a very small shoe. This mind that can comprehend serenity and no peace, yes, to be brought into this and have this, its sole focus is going to drive this crazy. It's way too much juice. It's like a magnifying glass that you're turning upon you, not you, but on the apparatus all day. It's way too much sun. That sun is meant to be dispersed and open. Yeah? Not... That's what obsession with self is. It's like all this interest and attention on this point. And what causes this gravitational pull to this is that you believe this is you. The mind has become identified with an idea that the mental process has offered up. I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. This. That huge mind now believes it's that, and its ability to entertain, which is unbelievable, it can entertain peace and serenity. It can entertain infinity. It can entertain no time. It can entertain space. Now it's entertaining everything as a self. So all of its ability to entertain is now defined by what it's entertaining as. So now, instead of entertaining I'm okay, it entertains I will be okay later. Yeah? And it's the cause of your exquisite suffering. Do you believe a mental process could make, out of what's not happening, something that you would react to with such exquisite suffering? It's the mind. The mind ability to entertain, it's entertaining separation. When it is wholeness, it's now entertaining separation. That's why it seems so real to you. It's not the, the advertising, it's not the selfing. The selfing is so archaic. It's like a crude little uh, loop. I will be afraid, I will be afraid, I won't get what I want, I will lose what I have, I will be afraid, I will be afraid, I resent them, they're stopping me from getting what I want. Blah, 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 all that. It's very small. But what's making it so juicy is not that, but what's entertaining it. We're saying, okay, could you imagine if you're not that? Mind would get freed from entertaining everything from that point of view and now start entertaining it from its own nature. That's what they describe in the recovery book. You'll know a new freedom and a new happiness. You'll understand serenity and no peace. You'll have a new attitude and a new outlook on life. How could that be produced? How could a mental pr process produce any new attitude and outlook? They'd all be from the same mental process. Selfing. 
That's what's happened to us. How many times have we tried to cultivate a new attitude and a new outlook? It always ends up to be the same old attitude, the same old outlook. This is a total quantum leap into a new way of seeing. The mind gets disengaged from being that, and it starts entertaining, I'm not that, and when it's entertaining, I'm not that, it's being what it is, which is very, very big and very, very large and very, very free. So now, the bondage to self has been broken. You've entertained you're not that. Then you see what keeps binding you to self is the daily narrative in your head. That's the glue. It's a, not a natural bonding, so they ha- it, the mental process has to reapply the glue every day. It, can't go- it is not a natural bonding. Mind bonded as this is not natural. It's formlessness taking itself to be a form. It is not natural. It has to be glued every day, and that's the daily narrative. Your head is talking you into a fucking trance. It's like you don't even need a hypnotist. You go with it all day. It's hypnotizing you all day. If you have a wake up, you know, you'll have a free sample. A miracle will occur during in the morning. Your mind will forget it in about an hour. But it's remembering a resentment for 35 years. If you're having a really good day, its thought system will tell you it's not going to last. If you're having a bad day, it says it's going to be a lifelong depression. Check it out. See what's, see what's interpreting your life for you. Do you want to live under that tyranny? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait until things. You will live under that tyranny, identify it. Even trying to get out of it will become a form of slavery. Let's say you realize self is what's killing you. So then you sign up for a two-year intensive how to get out of self. You know what that is? That's being in self. There's no self can't get out of it. The product of the system can't leave the system. It's impossible. There is no self anywhere other than in the mental realm. It can't leave. The beautiful news is I'm not that. My citizenship of the, that mental realm is revoked, and I take upon my true citizenship, like they talk about in recovery, the fourth dimension. So, like Jesus says, I'm in this third dimension, but I'm not of it. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I am in this form, seemingly, but I'm not of form. The only solution to the, the plight and the suffering being in form produces is to realize you're not. Forms have fought, try to find every strategy to relieve the pain of being a form. It hasn't worked. The only relief is realizing your formlessness. You You can't do that as a self. The self and form are synonymous. You see, you're not that.
And all that seeing, which is not a focused way of looking, it's just seeing, is now focused, and that seeing is now you looking for. And all those ways of looking are blinding us to that natural seeing. When you were a kid, you didn't have to practice a damn freaking thing. If I, I wasn't in an abusive situation. I, no one was beating me, so I had the right condition so that mind could go undisturbed. And there was no, I have to practice something, I have to meditate to get... No, it was, it was totally activated at all times. It's only when I lost it that I even knew what was happening, because at that time it was just what was happening. Then when I lost it, my whole life was trying to get back to that, but as a self. It's impossible. That's what Jesus said. Like it says, it's not to become childish, it's become childlike. Yeah? Childlike. To have that mind once again that's unfettered from the selfing. To see what it, see how it will interpret life. You may not need to do all the things you think you need to do now. You may actually be able to quite relax, let go. I don't care how many times you get massaged as a self, you'll never have this type of relaxation of the absence of self. It's nothing quite like it. <coughs> I mean, it's a... Not... No.
the circle of entertaining, or the aperture or the lens, will open up more and more. Don't assume this is it. It has a lot of potential to keep opening. And you'll see that what you thought was an authentic you, there isn't one. When one something says, "Oh, I've been now I see the content from the context." No, that's still content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you're presented in thought, that ain't you. That's the phantom. Yes. You are prior to thought. You are already here. If I walked in here and had to get ready, I already missed the boat. It's prior to me saying anything. It's prior to anything ever occurring. If you look at every experience you have. Every experience, like experience when you noted you were going up and experience you know and going down, there was seeing in both directions. You saw that you were up, you saw that you were down. If you look at anything, there'll be one common denominator, and that's the seeing that's prior to all the yapping and the feeling and this and that. The seeing is what gives you a life, and yet it's going underappreciated most of the time. If you attend to that a little bit more, you'll see that you'll have freedom from the content because the context is its freedom. Yeah? It's like this. What's always so, it's hard to be picked up. Your mind can't pick it up. Your mind is used to having experiences. Something that wasn't there appears to be there. Then you either grab for it or just hate it. And then it either you try to capture it or get it away and then it leaves. Yeah? But for something that's always there, it doesn't pick up. The context is always so. That's why your mind isn't noticing it. But it can be intimated very, very strongly. You'll sense it. You'll know it by its fruits. You'll sense it. Because you can't see the tree. You can't. But you'll sense it by its fruits in your life. In other words, entertaining it. You entertain it and more gets revealed. Uh, it's like being touched differently every time. Yeah? You get embraced in a different way, and you go, ah, I would have never have known that, yeah? and then more and more. It's like being with a lover the rest of your life, yeah? day in and day out. But a beautiful lover, the beloved, they call it in Sufism and other places. It's like, it's like wrestling horizontally on a very nice bed, over and over and over again and getting into new positions. Yeah? You're just amazed. It's just, uh, it's, uh, the point is you'll never know. And that's what you give up is the idea of knowing. Wanting to know. You just give it up. Wanting to know is from the self-centeredness. It's just, it wants security because it's inherently insecure because it knows it's not real. It really does. It knows it's totally a fucking panic. It's so afraid of you finding out. It's unbelievable. That's why it has this huge song and dance. That's why <laughs> it remembers resentments and not miracles. That's why it does a lot of things, if you want to know why. It's, it's very intent and invested in it seeming to exist. So it has to have your life to look like it has a life. And we give it over it freely. Look at us. There's a statement in the big book, to me, that captures everything. Clearly, as I'd like to put it in recovery. It's on page 64, 63, 64. And it says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, but it doesn't say that, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. Right? So being convinced, so obviously if you review your life and you're, you know, 
the denial isn't that strong and you're open to recovery, you'll see that what has defeated you. Yeah? Being convinced that self, manifested in various ways, is what has defeated us. So if you and I sat in this room and I asked, okay, what self has defeated us? Everyone would have the same answer. It would be myself. Everybody in this room. If we had a giant convention hall, almost everyone in that convention hall would say the same answer. Myself. Myself is what has defeated me. It's not self. It's the act of identifying. It's what you are being identified with what you're not. What you're not has no ability to defeat you. It has no juice. Its juice is taken by what is so, being identified as it. How could, not, well, how could something that doesn't exist create such an incredible, exquisite hell for you? You have to realize what's making the hell is the mind being identified with this idea of self. Yeah? So being convinced that self manifested in various ways, and we can call, you know, just look up the word self in the dictionary, and there'll be a hyphen, and there's like about 120 descriptive adjectives after it. Just, just, and if you go to, if you go through a little trouble, list them all down and put a category. Which would you call negative, and which would you call positive? And see where the weight is when it comes to self's expressions in life. I'd say probably 80% are what we call the negative side, and maybe 20% on the positive side. So you got a bad one to five odds. <laughs> so being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Yeah, this is after, this is the third step. You, this is what this is supposedly a requirement before you do the third and fourth and fifth step. It's all right. Are you convinced that self manifested in various ways is why has you defeated us? If you are, we are now going to look at its meaning self's common manifestations in our life. And the next paragraph, the word resentment, is the first word. Now, how many times have you had instructions about doing inventories, and did anyone ever tell you that the inventory is really on self-expressions in your life? No. Most of the time, we get instructions that we're going to look at my fears, my resentments, my acting out. The my is the act of identification. I'm identified with the expressions of self in my life. That's what's causing me to suffer. Every time I talk about its expressions, I call them mine. You can't be... That is the act of identification. Have you noticed? Let's say... So, if you follow what he said, resentment would be an expression of self. Yeah? So, there it is. I see something as a threat. It refers me back. The mental process represents it and says, that reminds me when my uncle did, uh, you know, molested me. All right? So, now you resent seemingly this person, but you're actually just re-feeling the feeling you had about your uncle. That's what the word means. Re means to do again, and sentere means to feel. So you're re-feeling. That's all the mental process does. It represents and re-feels and rethinks. So there it does. It gives you that, and then there's an experience now of what you, the mind makes up about then. Yes? And you're bound to that. You're just like a, it's like a puppet string gets pulled and you react. I hate that guy. No. It's just insane, but all right, so here, so there's the reaction. And yet, when you share, talk about that, you'll say, oh, I have a resentment. You don't have a resentment. It's not yours. 
You don't have a resentment. It's not yours. It's the expression of self in your life. How easy it is for you to do an inventory on someone else. I could do yours in two minutes. But I'm very confused about mine. Why is that? What would happen if I looked at this, my resentments, my fears, and my acting out as if they were ours? I could do an incredibly fearless and thorough inventory about Al. But I have a very difficult time doing a fearless and thorough inventory about Paul because of the act of identification. When I, to me, this was, I was getting relief from some of the symptoms. But when I found that the cold was the cold, it wasn't a flu, it was identification of self, that was the root of the problem, then I got radical freaking relief from what? Alcoholism. And that's it. That's the proof in the pudding. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I know what worked in my life. Because I'm, I'm two levels above a coconut. I'm conscious. I can see. Yeah. I can obviously at least see what works and doesn't. I mean, are we that lost? Look at how many times you, when you go to work, and then at 9 o'clock at night, your mind breaks the news to you, you had a bad day. Weren't you in that day? The whole time? I would imagine that you would know it was bad while it was bad. Not eight hours later. Yes? But this is what we're living. We're living on this huge time delay. The mind has all this time. You've left the scene of the crime. It was hours ago. And it makes up stuff. It just tells you what it thinks. And you buy it hook, line, and sinker. You call other people up and tell them, Oh, yes, they're really fucking with me today. When did you realize that? A minute ago? Oh, shit. Late breaking news. It's, it's like someone coming, hey, did you hear there's a big oil volcano in the Gulf? Yes, it's 80 something days. Thank you for that breaking news. It's like that. We live as, we're, we're so off. Why is that? How could consciousness be so seemingly unconscious? How could spirit, which is awareness, be so unaware? How could it possibly be so? It must have become identified as something that has a belief that it can be unconscious. It's a verb. 
A verb can be startled. You can throw a wrench in a verb and it will stop. In that stop, you'll see it stop, but you didn't. The selfing can stop dead in its tracks and you do not stop. You are the continual. You never began nor never will end what you are. There's no stopping in you. But selfing can stop because it's, it's a production of a mental process. It had a beginning and a middle and an end. When this body dies, that dies. You're not going to know you're dead. You're, when you, if you're waiting for your head to tell you when you die, you're never going to know. Because you'll be dead. <laughs> it's not like going to work. There won't be anywhere. You're not going to go home after death and then sit around, oh, I died about eight hours ago. No. You're never going to get the news. You're going to miss the biggest bus of all in this life, the moment of death, because you'll be waiting for the, uh, an imaginary bus. Hey, did it come? Yes, it passed you by. What? <laughs> I've been waiting 80 years. I've been anxious about dying 80 fucking years. All I've been worried about was dying, and I missed it. Yeah, you missed it. Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing that you could spend, your mind could spend cultivating the anxiety of death and it's not even going to be there. <laughs> You're never going to experience your own death. Other people experience your death, but you will never experience your death. It's just going to end. The whole show is going to end, and yet what didn't begin will not end. What's looking out of your head is not going to end when this stops. Have you died a couple times? Some of us have. We, you know, overdosing. I've, do I've overdosed a couple of times. Got run over by cars. A couple of nice little events. And uh, the one time I overdosed, I was in that room and. Uh, what else can you call it? Literally. At the drop of the hat, you have a thought about what's not happening, you totally flip out. Every fucking day. Hmm? There's no choices. There's no you. If you choose, if you become identified as a you, then you think you have a choice that things could have been different, and that's really suffering. Look at what happens. You have what you want, and you don't even appreciate it. But then the mind really wants it when you don't have it, doesn't it? It creates exquisite suffering by the absence of something that you weren't even appreciating when you had it. But as soon as it leaves, it's the source of your happiness. The source of my happiness has left me. I've been living with her for three years. Wasn't giving her any attention. Now, she's left. Oh, it's the source of all my happiness. You don't see it? It's mine playing you like a fucking string. Ding, ding, ding. Be afraid. Be really afraid. About what? Don't ask me that. Be afraid. Be really afraid. There's a huge impending doom waiting for you. And you know it's yours because you're bad. You did bad things. You're guilty. You, are, you don't deserve anything in life. Who needs a hell? Just visit your mental realm. It's fucking incredible. There you have it for tonight. You want to pass it? I'll pass it.